Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In this very worthy follow-up to the groundbreaking documentary Blackfish, the new documentary, Long Gone Wild, exposes a high-stakes Russian mafia operation capturing orcas for sale into the exploding Chinese theme park industry, an industry that has over 80 parks and counting. The price take for these illegally captured whales is over $7 million per whale. But the film also provides an expert view into the visionary work of the Dream Team at the Whale Sanctuary Project as they unveil a model seaside sanctuary for retired orcas, the first of its kind anywhere in the world. Witness an in-depth look into the case against captivity and the intelligence and majesty of the mighty orca. Long Gone Wild also follows renowned animal advocate Rick O'Berry as he joins filmmakers on a covert mission in search of nine whales held at a secret Chinese location. And as I said, this film is a worthy follow-up to the documentary film Blackfish. I'd like to welcome to the program the director and writer of Long Gone Wild, Bill Neal. Bill, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it is, as was Blackfish, um, a, a story that is illuminating, educational, heartbreaking, and hopeful and that those are the the how I would describe this film. It brings us up to date on a lot of the things that many of us may have thought been taken care of or are behind us in some way when it comes to orcas and these magnificent animals being held in captivity. But in fact, that's not the case. Tell me, uh, Bill Neal, what prompted you to uh, begin this project known as Long Gone Wild? I've been uh, a huge fan of orcas for many years. I wrote a book back in 2011 uh, called Rogue Justice, which is about killer whales, and uh, spent time up in the Port Townsend area researching and writing the book, met with a number of orca experts, and um, saw them firsthand in the wild and realized the last place these magnificent animals belong is in uh, are in concrete tanks. And then, of course, the tragic death of Don Branchow happened in Orlando, which triggered blackfish. And I followed the, black, the so-called blackfish effect over the last several years. So uh, I've been uh, looking at killer whales for a number of years. And one of the big things that stood out is that while blackfish had an enormous impact on SeaWorld and the perception of killer whales in captivity. Unfortunately, the whales are still there and they're still performing every day. A lot of people think that somehow because of blackfish, the whales were, are no longer there, but they are. That is one of the relevatory, troubling things that are, are addressed in the film, Long Gone Wild, is that they are still there, uh, despite what SeaWorld has said about uh, how they're uh, changing their corporate outlook, their corporate um, trajectory when it comes to these uh, these beautiful mammals in captivity. 
not a whole lot has changed and and as as we'll talk uh, we'll talk later but also the in fact around the world this whole phenomena is is actually growing in in very troubling ways but let's talk just a little bit about just how little has changed when it comes to SeaWorld. First of all, SeaWorld, in, uh, because of this backlash of Blackfish, uh, did make two concessions in 2016. One was to stop their breeding program, which they appear to be staying with. The second was to phase out uh, orca performances by 2019, this year. And in fact, what they did on the latter was they basically spent a ton of money to create a new facade for the audience. So there's the big jumbo screen, there's rocks, there's flowing water. But what's really ironic is the trainers come out and talk about all they make, the wonderful things these animals do in the wild. And you see them in the wild on the big screen, and then the irony is that then they call out the captive orcas to perform their tricks and to get fed. So it is really kind of the ultimate irony. So on the one hand, it's good that they've stopped the breeding program, although many of the orcas in captivity at SeaWorld are very young and would potentially be there for many decades uh, and then the other, of course, is that they are are still performing every day, but the the audience sees something different. Clearly, the shows are more educational than they were in the past, where they were just simply shows. They call it the Orca Encounter now, but really nothing has changed for the whales. Now, I'll just throw in my observations uh, in watching uh, the film, and that is, and you alluded to it, there is they have this huge screen as a backdrop of these where these uh, pools are in 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 the sea world and they are showing orcas in the wild doing what they do which is they're, they're very social um, creatures there are a lot of things that you're seeing and then ironically or almost in a brave new world sort of way uh, they they have the whales the orcas performing in front of the screen uh, while, and someone in fact in the film, I can't remember exactly who it was, commented on how the the orcas in the pools will sometimes watch the film of their their cousins, if you will, their, their, uh, their uh, brethren in the wild. And given the intelligence level of these animals, it's hard to imagine that they're not processing that in the way that is, must be deeply embittering for them. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm associating too much, too much to, to what the orcas are going through here, but help me out if I am or I'm not. No, I don't think you are at all. That was Carol Ray you, uh, you were referring to, who yeah. is a former SeaWorld trainer, um, a wonderful woman. And, uh, uh, Carol uh, had a very close relationship with the, the orcas that she trained, and and she speaks so highly of their intellect and uh, the fact that they are they want to connect, and you look into their eyes, and 
and and somebody's home. It's clear clear to see that. And so as she commented, uh, to to see the to to see the orcas do their spy hop, which is rise out of the straight out of the water and watch the screen uh, and see other orcas in the wild where they belong. It is astounding. Yeah. And you just have to wonder what, what is going through their heads. Yeah. Cry for help, I would assume, of some kind. Yes. Yeah. One of the things about Long Gone Wild is that it's a, the structure of the documentary of this film is, uh, is a uh, is really well-constructed film. It's a very well-constructed in that it goes back in sort of covering what what was happening when Gabriella, when she was documenting that in Blackfish, so we sort of recap what we've, where we've been, and then you bring us to the process of where we are, despite the protests by, by SeaWorld and people who were in the captivity business. And then we start to address the larger issues that are not only the animals' welfare, but also outside of that, the the worldwide impact of uh, capturing of orcas and then we and then the film begins to to get into how we can get past all of this so it's a it's a it's a film that will take us on a journey and it is a very satisfying journey in the sense that I feel having watched it I understand even better uh, what's going on and now I'm I'm seeing that there is a way out in this film, so I, I people who are who are concerned that there's is just going to be a very depressing film about the fate of orcas. There are parts of the film that certainly are, but there are parts of this. There are oh, there's a whole bunch of other things in the film that should give us some measure of hope and expectations for things to be better for for these beautiful uh, mammals. Is that a fair reading of of the of the film? I think so, absolutely, and and uh, I appreciate your uh, commenting on the hopeful aspect of it because we did not want it to be all doom and gloom. Um, and the the hopeful part of it, of course, is the Whale Sanctuary Project. Three years ago, they put a dream team of experts together. They have been uh, exploring a number of different possible sites for a sanctuary for retired orcas, which would basically be a large cove of maybe 100 acres or so, which would be netted off on one end, where the orcas would get 24-7 care, um, and yet they would not have to perform, and they would be in their natural habitat. And um, Lori Marino, who is the president of Whale Sanctuary Project, and Charles Vinnick, the executive director, have both been extremely helpful on this film and they are now as we speak up in the state of washington uh holding town hall meetings and murray uh who uh was at our premiere in la back on july 10th told me then that they are getting very close to naming a site and that's that's really very exciting but it's very hopeful SeaWorld, to their credit said for years uh, that people want the whales released, but where are they going to go? And they had a valid point because they can't just be dropped back into the ocean. They don't know how to hunt. They don't know how to kill. Many of them have been born in captivity, um, so they would not survive by themselves in the wild. Um, 
but that excuse no longer is valid or won't be very, very soon when when um, Well Sanctuary Project names its site. So it's very exciting. Right. I know part of this is that Canada may be able to be a part of this as well. Um, this would make a lot of sense given the area in which these orcas often travel up and down the coast of of the United States and Canada. So hopefully all of the things you're talking about are close to happening. I want to let our listeners know that we are speaking with Bill Neal. He's the writer, producer, and the director of this new documentary film called Long Gone Wild. And you can find out more about it at, strangely enough, the website longgonewild.com. And you can find out how, not only more information about these these magnificent animals, but also you can find out where to watch the film, which is now viewable on all kinds of platforms. And I'll just rattle off a few, but you can go to the website Long Gone Wild to find out all of them. iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vudu, Vimeo, Fandango, and it's on a lot of the cable services, DirecTV, Comcast, Cox, Spectrum, etc., etc. And, and if you're interested in purchasing the DVD, you can go to Amazon or Walmart or Best Buy or Barnes & Nobles or others. Again, all this information is available on longgonewild.com. I, I want to talk a bit about a, a part of this story that I was not familiar with at all. And thank you for uh, enlightening me and hopefully millions of other people about explosion of these marine theme parks in China, which is, uh, I'm, I like to call China, when, when it gets a cold, the whole world sneezes. And that is w what is happening here when, because it's just such a behemoth in terms of population and economic power. So China has now taken on this the uh, marine theme park industry with a vengeance. Tell us a little bit about how all of that evolved. You mentioned the population, Mike, and, and uh, China is, the, the Chinese middle class is expected to grow to 800 million people by 2025 or 2030. 15 years ago, there was virtually no middle class in China. And so they're building now all of these massive entertainment venues including marine theme parks, to appeal to that audience that is just growing and that now has money, uh, money to spend on uh, entertainment. And with, relative to the marine theme parks, there are now over 80 uh, that are up and running in China with 20 under construction. Jesus. Uh, in its heyday, SeaWorld had four. They now have three they had four in in their heyday so it just the numbers are astounding there are currently 15 orcas in china uh, at three different parks rick o'berry you'll remember from the cove he and i went to one of those parks um, and they're being live caught uh, in the wild by russians and the price tag for the sale of these orcas from Russia to the Chinese is reportedly up to $7 million per whale, which obviously that with that kind of money, uh, it lends itself to all kinds of greed and corruption in two countries where both greed and corruption are, are rampant in many areas. 
again, that's the part of the film for for me, and I'm sure for many in the audience who uh, will find to be uh, horrifying and also something that I just didn't know anything about until I saw Long Gone Wild. I didn't understand that. I had no idea this was happening. And at a time when so many of these species, whales, orcas, are under such incredible stress from the changes in their own environment in the ocean to uh, overfishing, to uh, gill nets, to all kinds of other challenges that they face. We're now, now we have China, 800 million strong in a middle class that is now apparently, whether or not they're really clamoring for more of this, apparently uh, the powers that be in China believe them to be, which is bad enough for this to be a real crisis for, for, this, for these uh, beautiful uh, mammals. Once again, the Russians are involved in a vastly corrupt part of the uh, the world's economy, and um, it is uh, it's depressing. But again, in the film, there are people who are fighting back, and there are legislators involved here in the United States who are introducing legislation to make all of this stuff essentially, at least from our end, to go away. And I'm sure on an international level that there soon will be, if there's not already, a real push to to make this uh, make this problem um, more manageable certainly is that well one of the one of the main things about china to keep in mind is that the chinese government and the vast majority of chinese people want to be considered very progressive and they are doing many progressive things on uh, on uh, climate change um, uh, they stopped the import of ivory which was a huge issue and problem um, for elephants, um, because China was importing so much ivory, they've stopped that. They've stopped performances of, like, animals at zoos. So they want to be progressive, and I think especially the young people of China do not want to be looked at as being regressive, which is exactly what this is in having orcas and other cetaceans perform. Yeah. It's going back 50, 60 years when SeaWorld started back in 1965. So uh, what we're trying to do is communicate to people in the West, but also hopefully through some more or less underground back uh, back channels, we can get to the Chinese, get to the young people, and hopefully get them to say, hey, we don't want this. This is regressive. And of course, in China, you don't have to worry about Congress or committees or or any of that. If you get to that one guy, right. <laughs> the president of China, in as, as the stroke of a pen uh, or a phone call, he could end this overnight, which they have done in China in some of these other areas. So there is hope there, but it it is just a uh, it's a very difficult challenge. Yeah. Well, thank you for this film. Thank you for shining a light, uh, a, a continuing light on the uh, impact of commerce and business on uh, these magnificent uh, mammals. And uh, hopefully, like blackfish, this this will open some people's eyes to things that they, like I said, it, it, maybe they thought was already taken care of. Maybe they thought other people were handling this uh, in a more responsible way, uh, but uh, they're not. And uh, so we need people to understand it 
and hopefully we can get uh, people who matter, as you were just describing, the president of China. It could end this in by tomorrow morning if he wanted to. Any last comments, Mike, Bill? Mike, yeah, yeah Mike, if I, if I could, I, I would just like to, in fairness to SeaWorld, um, you know, people will say, well, you're not telling about the good things that SeaWorld does. And we did reach out to SeaWorld different times and asked them to participate in the film. And I assured the president of SeaWorld that we would give them their due. They never responded. But SeaWorld does a lot of good. They spend a lot of money on uh, rescuing and rehabbing uh, mammals. If they would only stop with, with the orcas and the cetaceans, and they could do this by cooperating with, with uh, Whale Sanctuary Project, it would be an absolute PR coup for them to do that. Yeah. And we're encouraging them to do it. Well, we, we all love a story of redemption. And we, we, we would certainly embrace uh, anyone who wants to travel that path. And if, if SeaWorld can do better, we should urge them to do better. We should let them know that that will lead to uh, a better image, certainly in the public, but also hopefully a better economic future for them as well. And uh, hopefully seeing uh, Long Gone Wild is uh, is a step in that direction. And, and um, well, Bill, thank you. Thank you so much for the film, and thank you for your dedication to this particular issue. It's um, it's a, it's a beautiful film and a, a, a real uh, joy to watch and, uh, and to be encouraged. So go to the website. Once again, let me let people know that they can go to longgonewild.com where they can find out more about it. And that website will also tell them how they can watch the film and pass it around to, to people that they, uh, they care about as well. So do we, do we have it covered, Bill? I think I think we do. Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate talking with you. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Writer, director, producer, Bill Neal. The film is Long Gone Wild. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Come back. Will do. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.